Welcome to Sacred Magic. Violet is on a quest to bring sacredness back into our everyday experiences. Anyone can have an extraordinary life when they are able to tap into the sacred magic within. Violet and her guests will be sharing their divine passions, inspirations, and stories of connecting with their sacred magic. We are so happy you have joined us today. Let's get started with your host, the magical creator of Discover Your Spiritual Gifts, Violet Rain. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Sacred Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Violet Rain. And today's guest is Neil Donald Walsh. He has written 40 books on contemporary spirituality and its practical application in everyday life, including his new book, God Talk, Experiences of Humanity's Connections with a Higher Power, a book in the Common Sensius book series. He is also the best-selling author of the Conversations with God series, which seven of the nine books made New York Times bestseller. And I can tell you, it is one of my favorite books and one I recommend to clients lots and lots of times to pick up and read. So thank you for being here with us today. Gosh, thank you for the invitation, Violet. It's wonderful to share this time with you. How may I be of service? Well, I would love to know for those listening that may not understand that God is always listening, which is what your book's about, to share with them. How, what that means that God is listening and can we talk to him or her or this higher power? Not only can we, I think that God is talking with us all the time. I was told in my conversations with God dialogue uh, that God is talking to everybody all the time. But most people who experience God's presence in their life call it something else because they don't want to be ridiculed or marginalized so, or, <laughs> or criticized. So uh, they call it, you know, women's intuition or a sudden insight or an epiphany or whatever words they can use to describe when they suddenly encounter a level of knowingness or a deep awareness about something. And this happens to all people. You know, the publishers of the book God Talk actually put an invitation out on the internet. And they said, uh, if you feel you've ever had a, you know, an intervention from the divine in your life, tell us your story. And they, they told me that they had received hundreds of emails from people all over the world saying, oh, yeah, I've absolutely experienced an intervention you know, by the divine in my life. So they picked out seven or eight of the best stories. They, they could have published many more, but they didn't want to have a book the size of the encyclopedia. But they put seven or eight of the best stories in this book uh, deliberately. So it wouldn't just be about Neil Donald Walsh. They wanted people to understand it isn't just this one guy who's having this experience, but that people all over the world are having this experience. And if you don't believe me, here are seven of their stories mother whose answers came through a vision with her child, a woman who was reassured about her health, uh, a single mom whose message reaffirmed her belief in God, that God heard her prayers, and even a scientist 
whose conversation with the presence of God dramatically changed his life. Fascinating stories in the book titled God Talk. And so, you know, I would say that God is talking to all of us all the time. And uh, that's certainly been my experience. But only after I, Violet, only after I actually turned to her, actually began seeking to have that conversation. So I had to be, I want to say, open to the possibility that such a thing could occur. And in my life, I didn't have any choice because I had reached, you know, the end of the line in my life. I was, I was really in a very difficult situation. I had lived on the street for a year, no home, no place to, no place to live, no income, no job, sleeping on the concrete, or if I could find a nice soft place of a piece of ground where the police wouldn't come and say, move along, move along, move along. So, but I was living outside for a year of my life and I had no income. I had to go from person to person with my hand out asking if they could spare just a few coins or maybe a, some folding money for a person who was in desperate need. And at the end of the day, if I was lucky, I collected enough that I could actually go to a fast food place, maybe buy a hamburger or a bag of french fries. Uh, and put some food in my tummy. And you really know, Violet, that you've lost your dignity as a human being and that you're in a desperate situation. When you realize, most people don't think about this, of course, but a street person has no place to even use the bathroom. Like, where do you go to the toilet? So you have to sneak into a restaurant. You have to sneak into maybe a McDonald's or someplace. You have to walk there because, of course, you're not driving around. You're on foot. So, but once you go there the third or fourth time, the manager starts to recognize, oh, this is that street bum. Because you don't look that good. You don't smell that good. It's obvious that you have, you know, your hair is down to the middle of your back because you can't afford a haircut, of course. You're wearing the same clothes every time you come in because that's, that's all you have is one pair of jeans, you know, a couple of shirts and one pair of shoes. That's all you have. So by the fourth time you walk into that restaurant, the manager is going to say, okay, come on, come on, come on, come on. Don't make me call the police. And you're reduced to tears. You have to say to the manager, I'm not going to bother anybody. I'm not going to handle, handle anybody. I'm not going to ask anybody for any money. I promise you, I won't bother your customers. Please, can I just slip in and use the bathroom? I have no place to go to the bathroom. Please. Some, some pity on a human being. And one manager finally looked at me and said, okay, in and out, you understand? In and out. I said, yes, sir, yes, sir. Went into the bathroom, used the facility, and got out of there. So then I finally found a place because the rookie, you know, the manager then recognized me and he knew I wasn't going to cause any trouble and I wasn't going to go like table to table as a lot of homeless people do and ask, you know, for a few pennies. I just used that little McDonald's as a place to use the restroom. And I lived that way for a year of my life, not for a couple of bad weeks or a tough month or two. I was out there for a year. 
Finally, I found a full-time job. I was able to actually, it wasn't, you know, the greatest job in the world, but I was able to bring in some money because I, you know, it's a long story how I got into that situation. But uh, I finally found a job and I could get a little apartment someplace. I could get out of the weather. If it, you can't even imagine what it's like for the first time in a year to get out of the weather. I mean, where do you sleep when it's raining, pouring rain outside? So, you know, but I've experienced that. So I find now I'm finally out of the weather. I'm out of the cold. And believe it or not, my little apartment actually had a bathroom. So I had all the luxuries of regular life. And that's when I woke up at 4.20 in the morning, one, one morning, angry at life, Violet. So, so angry with, you know, frankly, with, with God. And I sat myself down on the used couch that they had thrown in this apartment. And I wrote an angry letter to God. There was a coffee, there was there was a coffee table in front of me with a with a yellow legal pad on it. And I wrote an angry letter. I, I mean, I didn't, you know, what was I doing? I didn't expect, I mean, anyone would ever see it. I was just, I was just trying to get some some negative energy out. So I wrote this letter, you know, dear God, and I'm writing questions. What does it take to make life work? What have I done to deserve a life of such endless struggle? And I remember this question in particular. Tell me the rules. I'll play this silly game you call life. Just tell me the rules. And then I heard a voice. I was, I was mentioning earlier, Violet, that normally we don't access that level of communication until we really reach out for it. But I heard a voice. It was so real. I thought someone was actually in the room behind me. I turned around. There's nobody there. And I thought, oh, great. Now on top of everything else, I'm losing my mind. But the voice was very gentle and very sweet and simply said, Neil, 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 do you really want answers to all these questions? Or are you just venting? And I remember sitting there thinking, <laughs> you think? Yeah, I'm venting. But if you've got answers, I'd sure as hell like to know what they are. And the voice came back and said, you know what, Neil, you are sure as hell about a lot of things. But wouldn't it be nice to be sure as heaven? And I thought, <laughs> what's that supposed to be? So I actually wrote it on the yellow legal pad as if I was having a conversation. I wrote down, what's that supposed to mean? Back came the answer. And that answer brought other questions up. So I wrote the question down, and back came the answer. So I wrote the answer down, because the answers were so phenomenally clear. And before I knew it, Violet, I was engaged in an on-paper dialogue, which I came to call a conversation with God, but I never intended anyone else to see it. I mean, my goodness, this was a very, very private, sacred experience I was having in my own life. I was not trying to, you know, create anything for anybody else to see. It was just a unusual process I, I considered that I was going through. 
But then, somewhere about, I don't know, one-third of the way uh, into my ongoing conversation, I was told, Neil, you will make of this one day a book. And you will cause it to be accessed by many people. I thought to myself, <laughs> now I got you. Because I, I, you know, I didn't really know what was going on here. I thought, you know, what, you know, what is happening? Am I just making this all up? Is this all in my mind? You know, what's what's going on? So I thought, but nobody, nobody's. If this is really God talking to me, that then maybe a miracle would happen because nobody's going to publish a book by a guy who claims to be talking to God. Come on. I mean, I can just imagine the publisher going out to the workroom floor and saying to his editors, stop everything. Hold the presses. I got a guy here who's talking to God. It's not going to happen. I do. Nobody's going to publish this. So on a dare, on a dare, I sent my handwritten notes. I Xeroxed them and sent them to a small publisher on the East Coast of the United States. By golly, a week and a half or two weeks later, I get a phone call and the publisher's on the phone. He says, we want to put this book out. I said, you're kidding me. What? You're going you're gonna to actually publish a book out of these notes I sent you? He said, yeah, it's a hell of a good book. He said, we, we're not really pleased with the title. We don't think it's going to work as a title. And, you know, most fiction books have more exciting titles than that. And I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. This is not a fiction book. You're not publishing this as a fiction book. This is a non-fiction book. And the guy on the other end of the phone says, are you telling me you actually had this experience? I said, yeah, that's why I sent it to you. He said, whoa, okay, we'll publish it as a nonfiction book. Somebody's actual experience. He's not going to sell many copies because not many people are going to believe, you know, I said, I know, I, I know. That's why I'm surprised you're even going to publish it. He said, well, well, you know, we'll probably sell, you know, a few copies, but it's not going to be a big book, but, you know, but we'll put it out. We like, we like the material. So they put it out. They gave me didn't give me any advance, of course. Naturally, I was an unheard of guy. So, but they did put the book out, and I thought, you know what? I'll be lucky if this book sells five hundred copies. It's not going to sell five hundred copies. Who's going to buy a book by a guy who claims to be talking directly to God? Come on. And I was right. I was absolutely right. It did not sell five hundred copies. Sold five million in 37 languages around the world. And I'm like, watching this happen, of what? What? I didn't even, you know, Violet, to be honest, I wasn't even keeping track of how well the book was doing because I didn't I didn't want to get caught up in that merry-go-round. So I thought, you know, well, you know, whatever happens, it'll happen. I, I'm working. I have a nice little job. 
I've got a little apartment. It's not the greatest place in the world, but I'm out of the weather. It's okay. Life is better than it was. So I wasn't really keeping track of how well the book was doing. I wasn't asking the publisher, you know, send me monthly, you know, sales figures. I just didn't know. And then one day, a knock comes at my door. And it's it's a it's a florist delivery guy. He hands me a great big bouquet of flowers and a little box. He said, we've been asked to deliver this. I said, oh, I wonder who it could be. He said, well, there's a note inside. I said, well, thank you very much. You know, and, and, and I, I took it in, opened the note. It was from the publisher, this small publisher on the East Coast of, of the United States. But they sent me these flowers and a box. And so I opened the box up, and in the box was a wooden plaque with a brass plate attached to the plaque. And I looked at the plate, it said, engraved on the brass plate, it said, commemorating one million sales. Commemorating one million copies, it actually said. Commemorating one million copies of Conversations with God. You could have knocked me over with a feather. I wasn't keeping track. It's a, 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 a what? A million copies? Are you kidding me? And that's how I found out that we had, excuse me, not bragging, but just saying, a New York Times bestseller, which stayed on the bestsellers list for 167 weeks. Wow. Wow. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I love that story. I love that story. So share with our audience, if they want to have conversations or be able to talk to God, what do you tell people about that? Well, I tell them that, that that we all can have that, and we don't have to. We don't have to be at the end of our line. We don't have to. Don't have to be at the bottom of the barrel. We don't have to be in the worst possible life situation, the way I was living on the sidewalk. We can just simply call out to God. Just simply ask God, uh, you know, to communicate with us. And we can simply sit down. You can do it in any one of ways that you want. You can write, you know, a letter the way I did, or you can just simply say a prayer. Most of the world's religions tell us that if you pray to God, God will reply. Or you can simply send your thoughts out to the universe. But there are six steps that I think people could take. And I put those six steps in the book called God Talk. I offer them six quick, easy steps that might put them in a position where they would feel that, yeah, I I think I can have a, convert, a, a direct back and forth communication with the divine. I want to make something clear before I get into this, if I can, Violet. It's not my understanding, based on my own conversation, that God is somewhere out there. We're way up there in the sky somewhere, and if we're lucky, we can make a communication work. I was told that God resides within every sentient being in the cosmos that each of us are actually individuations of the divine. 
we are individual expressions of that which some people call God. And other people use different words, Yahweh, Jehovah, you know, Brahman, whatever word it feels comfortable to use to describe that ineffable essence that we call the higher power. Most people agree that there's something more going on here than meets the eye, that there is a higher power. Surveys have been taken by sociologists in the past 10 years where they asked a single question all over the world. They just they took an interesting one-question survey. They walked up to people on the street, in shopping centers, at filling stations, wherever they could find people, and they would say, one question, do you believe in a higher power? Eight 0.5 out of every 10 people statistically said yes. They believe in a higher power. Most people believe that there's, you know, there's, as I said a minute ago, there's more going on here than meets the eye. It's something that we don't fully comprehend, that there is some kind of higher power. But what's interesting is that while 85% of the people believe in some kind of higher power, we can't seem to come to an agreement on what that higher power is what it wants, what it does if it doesn't get what it wants, how we can use that higher power, which is why we have, because we can't come to an agreement about that, that's why we have, believe it or not, over 4,220 religions being practiced on the face of the earth. Not from the beginning of time. I mean, today, on this very day. I didn't make that number up. You can Google it. Just type into Google how many religions are being practiced on the earth today. And it will tell you over 4,000. Because we can't seem to agree about this thing that we call God. But if we all could open ourselves to the possibility of communicating directly with the divine, we could come to an understanding, we could come to an agreement that God really is pure love. And that's what I've been telling people since I had my first conversation. But someone in the back of the room, when I make these comments in public, you know, when I'm giving a little lecture someplace, mm -hmm. someone will say, oh, Neil, 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 come on. We've been listening to you all this while for you to tell us the big revelation is that God is love. Everyone understands that God is love. Even the religions that have differences of opinion on dogma or doctrine, they all agree that God is love. And I have to stop my friend in the back of the room and say, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. I didn't say that. Yes, you did. I just heard you say it. I said, no, 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 no. I said, God is pure love. And then my friend will say, okay, what's the difference? The difference is that pure love needs, expects, requires, and asks for nothing in return. We can't even love the person on the pillow next to us that way. much less can we imagine a God who loves us that way. No, 
We've created a God who needs stuff from us, needs our worship, expects us to obey him or her or whatever it is, requires us to do what is commanded, and punishes us if we don't meet God's expectations. That's our idea of the highest power in the universe. And when I put that in front of God, I said, God, you know, help me out with this. What, what, what don't I understand here? God said to me, sweetheart, it's so simple. What you don't understand is that I don't need anything from you. I am, in fact, the highest power in the universe. What could I possibly require or need or demand from the likes of you? An unevolved species still behaving like primitives. I don't need anything from you guys, Neil, any more than you would need something from, say, a two-year-old child. Is your entire life destroyed? Are you willing to punish with everlasting damnation a two-year-old child for not giving you what you need from that child? Or are you at least at the level of clarity enough to realize, I don't need anything from this child? Of course not. She's just two years old. She doesn't even know what she's doing half the time. She doesn't know. And when the child accidentally spills the milk at the kitchen table, do you, do you say to the child, it's okay, sweetheart, daddy forgives you. Of course not. Because you realize forgiveness is not part of the equation. In fact, not only do you not forgive the child, you actually comfort the child in the moment of her dismay. Which is why I will never forgive you for anything. Because you cannot hurt, damage, destroy, upset, or frustrate or anger me in any way. But I will comfort you in the moment of your dismay if you ever find yourself acting in a way that's less than who you know yourself to be. You can rely on me to comfort you because that's the relationship that I have with you. Now, my dear Violet, the question becomes, is the human race prepared to believe in a God that wonderful? Or must we hold on to our idea of a God who is judgmental, condemning, and punishing? Well, of course we do. We do hold on to that idea, because if we let go of that idea, then we can't be judgmental, condemning, and punishing with each other. We're using the way God behaves with us as our justification for the way we behave with each other. Because most of our religions tell us that we should do our best to imitate the divine, to act in a godly manner. So we imagine that we're acting in a godly manner when we put someone to death in the electric chair for killing someone else. Even though we say, thou shalt not kill, we say, but, but of course we can kill people if they kill someone else. You know, an eye for an eye after all. 
an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. No, it's, it's just simple justice. Except in God's kingdom. That's not called justice. That's called revenge. That doesn't mean we should condone the activities of people who hurt others. But it means that we find a way to respond to their behaviors without duplicating the sin that they themselves committed. Now, fortunately, fortunately, Violet, our human species is starting to wake up. We're actually abolishing the death penalty in certain countries of the world and in certain states in the U.S. And we're also changing our mind on some of the other ideas we've held about God through the years. We're beginning, not there yet, but beginning to wake up. And so we are starting to decide, you know what? There's a solution to the world's problems. I call it the God solution. I actually wrote a book called The God Solution. And the God solution is to redefine God. To find a statement, finally, that all the world's 4,223 religions could agree on. God is pure love. Could it be as simple as that? You know, I could be wrong about all of this. I don't think so. You know, I love that perspective, right? Um, because there are many religions out there that man wants to control people and be judgmental and critical. But really loving each other, that's just pure joy when we can really love and accept each other where we're at. And as, a, as humans, we have a difficult time. So I love, I love that concept of pure love because it really does define a difference between love and pure love and understanding that God does care about us and is with us and walking with us and helping us all the time if we're just kind of open and aware because sometimes I think God speaks to us and we miss it we don't hear it we don't see the message and so I think awareness of our lives and being really fully present is so important. And sometimes we have a hard time with that because we're so distracted with everything around us. So coming into that space of just being present and sitting and spending time and being in stillness is really important. I couldn't agree with you more. And by, and by the way, speaking of the book, The God Solution, anyone who wants a manuscript copy of that book, you know, the author's manuscript, I'll be happy to send it from my computer to yours. You know, I, I can't send you a hard copy of the book because I don't happen to have a stash of them in my back room. 
but I do have it on my computer, obviously, because I, I wrote it on my computer. If it serves you to read the book, The God Solution, just send me a note. Send it to neil at neildonaldwalsh.com and say, Neil, please send me the book and I will send you a link that allows you to access the book, The God Solution. You can access the author's manuscript at no cost. I don't want anything from you. I don't need you to give me any money for it. I just want you to read it. I love that. I love that. I, that's awesome. I will definitely send that request because I would like to see that as well. Thank you for sharing that with our audience. I'm very grateful to have had the opportunity to share much of what I was told in my conversations with God. And I hope that people will find the book God Talk, which has only been out about ten or nine or 10 weeks. The ink is still wet. It's a brand new book. But uh, if, if people want to learn more about how they can get closer to their own conversation with God, I think you'll find that book very, very interesting. I love that. I've been reading it and I'm not a big reader, so I'm a skimmer, but I've been enjoying sitting with the information in the book and reading it and enjoying your stories that you provide and your experiences um, and all that. So I would recommend to everybody if you can pick up the book and check it out. I appreciate so much you taking the time to talk to our audience today and be part of the show. It means a lot. Um, Conversations of God changed my life and my daughter's life, so I can't thank you enough. Uh, I continue to recommend it to people that have different various religious backgrounds that have some of those wounds and pains around beliefs. And I always sort of like, here, if you're open and willing, read this book with an open mind and see where it resonates with you. So I'm constantly referring people to that book. So thank you so much for um, publishing it and being courageous and brave to send it to the publisher the first time to get it published. I think that's awesome because when we all think, who's gonna publish this book? And I love that. I love that. Thank you, Violet. That's a very sweet thing to say. And I appreciate the opportunity to share with your audience what I've come to understand about these really interesting and important matters. Well, thank you everyone for watching. I hope that you'll like, comment, and follow us on all of our channels. Thank you for taking the time to watch and listen today. Thank you, Neil, for being here. I hope everyone has a very sacred and magical week. Thank you for checking it out, and I hope to see you really soon. Thank you for joining us. To find out more about Violet, head over to discoveryourspiritualgifts.com. You can also send a personal message to Violet through email, violet at discoveryourspiritualgifts.com. If you love this show, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Until next time, remember, we are all meant to have abundant and joyful lives. We hope to see you soon at Discover Your Spiritual Gifts.